This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Today's message is from 1 Corinthians chapter 13, and let us read the beginning part of that chapter. Hear the word of the Lord, 1 Corinthians 13. It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Jesus replied, You do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, Unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon Peter replied, Not just my feet, but all my hands and my head as well. Jesus answered, Those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean, and you are clean though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the example of Jesus, who laid aside his outer garment, poured water in a basin, and washed his disciples' feet as an example that we should follow that we all should be towel wearers and basin bearers who serve one another in love, that the world might know that we are disciples, followers of Jesus. May it be. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The Lord's command, love one another. Yes, Hap. John 13. Very good. Uh, we're talking about John 13, and uh, the church chairman made sure I had the book correctly because I just came from teaching 1 Corinthians and 2 Corinthians, so my mind is distracted. Thank you, Sir Hap. John, the Gospel of John, that's where I am now. The Lord's command, love one another. I want to talk to you about loyal love. And I want to cover the key verses of 35, 34 and 35 in a way you've never heard them before, even from Gaylord Enns, who's taught on this many times. 
And I am calling this loyal love. Why am I calling this loyal love? Because there's such thing as unfaithful love. This chapter has two examples of unfaithful love. It has Judas who betrayed Jesus, and it has Peter who will deny Jesus. So there is such a thing as unfaithful love or disloyal love. But loyal love, in distinction, is what Jesus exemplifies for us. And loyal love is seen by these characteristics of Jesus in John 13. Our Lord's loyal love is confident, it's faithful, it's humble, it's cleansing, it's imitated, it's evident, and it's unworldly. Now let's go through this as we see, first of all, the Lord's loyal love is confident. In John chapter 13, we see in verse 1b that Jesus knew it was his time to go home. Knowing fully that he came from heaven and he was going to go to heaven, he knew who he was, he knew where he came from, he knew where he was going, he had a confidence that allowed him not to be thinking of himself, but to serve others instead. He also had a confidence, because it said in verse 3, he knew that all things were put under him, and they were in his power. The Father had given him all authority, as it says in Matthew uh, chapter 20, 18 to 20. All authority has been given to me in heaven and earth and under the heaven and earth. And so he had all authority. He knew where he was going. And, you know, the book of Hebrews says he endured the shame of the cross because of the joy that was set before him. What was the joy set before the Lord that enabled him to endure being uh, tortured and then nailed to a cross and then uh, die this embarrassing crucifixion as a criminal. It was the fact that he was dying for our redemption. He was shedding his blood for our forgiveness, purchasing us with his precious blood that we might be his people and for that glory and to return back to the Father and have the glory and fellowship with the Father and the, and the Holy Spirit as he had originally before he became a human being, that joy motivated him to go through the worst of the worst, that is to bear your sin and mine upon his sinless body and being. He was a confident person, even though he knew Judas would betray him and he knew Peter would deny him. Now, why do we go into this? Because oftentimes we do not love others because we're not confident. To know who you are in Christ, to know that you have been blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ, to know in spite of opposers and obstacles, you can still choose to love is very powerful. You can be confident in Christ because of all God has done for you. And out of that confidence, you can love others. Second, we see the Lord's 
loyal love is faithful. A lot of people in reading, first, uh, reading John 13 skip over the third part of verse 1. It says, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. What does that mean? He's confident he's going back to heaven. He's confident he's going to have the glory and fellowship with the Trinity as he had before. But it says that he was faithful in his love to these disciples he had chosen. And he says he loved them to the end. What does to the end mean? It means he loved them to perfection. Our Lord's love for his disciples was a love to the uttermost. He loved them with a perfect love. And this is a very important point for us. Paul writes in the love chapter, 1 Corinthians 13, and that is 1 Corinthians 13, that verse 8, love never fails, and verse 13, now these three remain, faith, hope, and love, but the greatest of these is love. So love is faithful, and our Lord loved his disciples faithfully. Now, something you may not know is that Jesus loved Judas. How do we know Jesus loved Judas? Well, first of all, when he says, somebody betrayed me, nobody guessed it was Judas. Jesus did not rat out Judas, but he loved him. And when he gave him the bread, that was a symbol of the host honoring the guest of honor. And that Judas was seated in the seat of honor. The Lord treated Judas as a best friend, even though Judas would betray him. He loved with a perfect love his disciples and his detractor, his betrayer. You and I are called to follow the example of the Lord's love. We are to love and we're to be faithful in love and not be fair-weather friends who give up when the going gets tough and not to love our enemies. Jesus says, what difference is it between you and pagans if you pat people on their back who pat you on the back, if you invite people over who can invite you over? A disciple of mine is distinctive and different from pagans in that they love the unlovely and they love their enemies. That shows that you're a follower of mine. Otherwise, you're just like everybody else in the world. So we have a loyal love exemplified by our Savior and Lord Jesus Christ. Third, loyal love is humble. Notice that Jesus in verses 4 and 5 of John 13, got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. Now, this is powerful, because Jesus is the Son of God's Savior. They should be serving him. Now, the roads back in those days were dusty and dirty and had some pollutants on them, if you know what I mean. So people's feet got dirty, grimy, and smelly. 
And when you walked into our house, the host would have a menial slave, not even a Jewish brother, but a Gentile to come and scrub off the yuck and the muck from the bottom of your feet. But did you know that the disciples had had an argument, according to Luke, as to who was the greatest among them? So when they walk in the door, they're looking at their feet. Yeah, pretty dirty, pretty stinky. They're looking at the feet of the other disciples, but they're folding, they're crossing their arms like, I ain't going to wash his feet. I'm not going to bow down to a menial slave and do that just, as, just because it's us 12 and Jesus. I am not going to wash somebody else's feet. So imagine the shock and the embarrassment when Jesus, their Lord, their rabbi, their teacher, gets up, he takes his outer garment off, gets a towel, and he starts washing their feet. They had been arguing who's the greatest and who should be serving us. All of you should be serving me, is their argument. And who's serving them? The Lord. Loyal love is humble. C.S. Lewis said, humility is not thinking less of yourself, but thinking of yourself less. It's a play on words. Humility is not thinking less of yourself. I'm a lowly worm. It's thinking of yourself less and putting others before you. And that's what Jesus did. He was humble. And this is a great example of what the Lord did for us. Jesus shows his humility for us in that when he said in Mark 10, 45, the Son of Man came not to be served, but to serve and give himself as a ransom for many. His mind and heart was not on himself, it was on us. He came to die. He came to give his life as a sacrifice for our sins, to exchange his perfect, sinless, righteous life for our sinful, opposing God lives. Jesus ransomed us from the devil, ransomed us from death by laying down his life for us while we were enemies of God. Christ died for the ungodly. And Philippians 2 summarizes it this way. He did not count equality with God, something to be grasped. He took the form of a servant and he was obedient even unto death on a cross. Jesus set aside his outward garment. Jesus took the form of a servant. Jesus washed us in his blood. We belong to him. We've been cleansed and washed from our sins thanks to Jesus humbling himself and serving us. Paul says we should have the same mind as Jesus, that we should put others' interests before our own and be thoughtful and humble ourselves. Loyal love is cleansing. Notice that when he came to Peter, I think Peter oftentimes spoke for the whole group. You know, open mouth, insert foot was some of Peter's uh, modus operandi. 
but also he was a spokesman for the whole group. When he spoke, he usually was saying things that the whole group was thinking. Also, Thomas would do that as well, as we see in uh, John 14. But here, he says, don't wash my feet. And Well, then you have no part of me. Well, in that case, wash all of me, because I want you to have all of me. He says, no. If you've had a bath, you only need to wash your feet, and your whole body is clean. Now, this is very important. What does this mean? I like what Warren Wiersbe says. He says, there's a difference between union and communion. Peter was in union with Christ as one of his own through faith. But sin in our daily lives can break our communion with the Lord, and only as we allow Christ to cleanse us can we remain in fellowship with him. That's a great saying. So when you receive Christ, you get the bath of having all your sins washed away. But when you live the Christian life, you do fail and you do sin, and you have to confess your sins and know that he's faithful and just to forgive you of your sins. You need to walk in the light as he's in the light, and the blood of Christ will continually cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So you have salvation and you have sanctification. You have been saved from your sins, and now you're growing in righteousness, practical righteousness and holiness with the Lord, and you want to remain in a close relationship with him and not let your sins cause you to feel like you're distant from him, even though he never moves. So it's the difference between union, salvation, and communion, or as he says, sonship and fellowship. You already have sonship. You're already a child of God. But fellowship is enjoyed by being confessed up to date. Don't sit on your sins. Confess your sins. Agree with the Lord their sins and walk in the joy and fellowship with the Lord that is yours. And then loyal love is to be imitated. In John 13, Jesus says, in verses 14 to 15 and verse 17, Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. So Jesus is saying to you and to me, we are to imitate him. And the word for an example is the word from which we get the word imitate. It's a pattern. Jesus gave us a template for how we should live our lives. If he, who is Lord and teacher and leader, humbles himself to serve others in love, then we who are not greater than him, but want to be like him, are to serve one another in love. And when we serve one another in love, there's joy in obedience. You will be blessed if you love one another and serve one another in love. That's what it's all about. And love is evident. In John 13, 34, 35, the key verses, the Lord's command Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. So the mark of being a Christian, the 
major characteristic that distinguishes us from anyone and everyone else in the world should be the unconditional agape love of the Lord that we have for one another. It should be evident. And in John 17, Jesus is going to pray for us to be one as he and the Father are one. And when we do that, the world sees that we are disciples. Can you imagine a Jew and a Gentile getting along or a Jew and an Arab getting along who are in Christ? Being in Christ breaks down all these barriers and makes us one. When I was in Tajikistan, they have a caste system just as they do in India, and you have the untouchables down below, and you have the Brahmas up on the top, and they would never mix. I went to the wedding of a Brahmin and an untouchable. Unthinkable. Inconceivable to have someone from the upper caste system marry someone from the lower caste system. That was a witness of the unity and the love that there is in the body of Christ. So that love should be evident. And then finally, <clears throat> loyal love is unworldly. And by this, <clears throat> I mean that the world argues. We saw the disciples arguing about who was the greatest among them. The world betrays Judas has Satan enter into him, and, uh, and he betrays the Lord. And we have Peter, who denies the Lord three times, and the world denies the Lord. Loyal love is not like any of those three. It doesn't argue who's the greatest. It doesn't betray, and it doesn't deny. I can go much into that, but I'm going to, Leave it at that to ask you right now in your heart to rehearse John 13 as to what Christ has done. Have you seen his loyal love? How his loyal love came out of confidence. His loyal love was faithful. His loyal love was humble. His loyal love is cleansing. His loyal love is to be imitated because he's our teacher and Lord. His loyal love is to be evident and seen by others as we love one another. His loyal love is not like the way the world fights and practices treachery and rejection. His is a loyal love. And I leave you with this question. Aren't you thankful that Jesus loved you enough to die on the cross to pay for your sin and that he rose from the dead to continue to love you and to love through you with his loyal love. Aren't you thankful? I am. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, what a beautiful message to come and prepare us for partaking in communion. As we are about to do that, singing these two hymns before, we say thank you, Jesus, for being the perfect example of loyal love. Thank you for loving us so well. And help us to pass that 
quality, Christ-like love onto others. May it be evident. I thank you for this congregation, Butte Bible Fellowship. I thank you for the love that I see of brother and sister in Christ toward one another. Thank you for the caring that's going on in the lunch meetings after the church service. Thank you for the joy and the prayer and the support that this body expresses one for another. I am blessed to be part of this fellowship. And Lord, we want to be a witness for you. Thank you for adding to us those being saved. May they be disciples who love you and follow you ever more closely. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's prepare our hearts by singing these two hymns before we partake of the Lord's Supper. the ushers and elders distribute the bread, would you bow with me and examine yourself? If you haven't trusted in Christ, now's the time to say, Jesus, 
Have mercy on my soul. Save me. I believe you died on the cross to pay for my sins. I believe you rose from the dead to give me the free gift of eternal life. Jesus, I receive you right now. Come into my life. Be my Savior and my Lord. Thank you for loving me. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.